Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. In today's episode of Holistic Health Chats, I'm talking to Dee Zibara. And can I just say, what a woman. Seriously, Dee is a nutritionist, PT, and runs an incredible online program called FlowFit, teaching women all about how to eat and train in tune with their menstrual cycle. In this conversation, Dee and I speak about the impacts of stress on our hormones, immune system, as well as some incredible and practical tools that you can use to improve your stress resilience. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, Dee, and welcome to Holistic Health Chats. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited to chat to you today. I've been following you for a little while online and, um, yeah, pretty much realized that we would be friends if we lived closer geographically. Well, we're online friends now. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Insty friends are sometimes the best of friends, aren't they? That's right. Yes. Um, So today's chat, we're talking all around stress and its impact on immune system and also hormonal health, which I know is a topic that is very near and dear for you. Um, but before we get into that, I was just wondering if you could share with us two topics or two facts, sorry, that most people don't know about you. Yeah, sure. Okay. So one, and this is pretty, you know, I don't know if it's bad or if it's just funny, but as a nutritionist, obviously I love food and I love to help to show people how to eat for their bodies. But at the same time, I actually hate cooking. (laughs) And most nutritionists or, you know, foodies, they just, they love it. They love to get in the kitchen. And I don't know if it's because I'm a mom with a toddler, but well, I can't really call her a toddler now. I guess she's four, (laughs) but I, I do still just, I just don't, I don't love it. Like I don't think to myself in my spare time, you know, what's, you know, what's something that I can cook, but at the same time, I'll do it for a purpose. Like if I know I really want to like eat something yummy, then I will, but I'm not just like the type that will just cook for others just because I love to cook. Like I'm not like that. I don't know if it's just, you know, I think there's other things I could do that's more productive maybe, or maybe that's my type A personality coming out. Uh, So that's one thing about me. I I actually don't, I don't love to cook. Not that I hate it, but I just don't love to cook. Um, And the second thing is that I could think that is probably the most, um, out there and different is that I used to be a beauty queen. So I actually, yeah, I actually have done three international pageants now um, between, you know, 2011 to 2015. So every second year I would go overseas to a different country because I um, would win the um, the national one. So then I, I got to do three international pageants as well, which were just such cool experiences and, as much as there were some interesting things that that sort of, you know <laughs> that you'd be exposed to because you know I mean you sort of are in an industry where beauty is everything um, but at the same time I think it was sort of nice to I have I guess have the upbringing that I already have and you know with such sort of you know ethics and morals and to be able to say 
see where I sort of fit into all that and see where actually a lot of beauty pageant girls and, you know, beauty queens did also sit in that because you would just assume that everyone was superficial and all they cared about was their appearance and that they didn't actually care about the charity work that most of these pageants are sort of rooted in. But mm-hmm. there were a lot of girls like me who really did care and that was really the reason that I started going into it, not because I thought I was like the hottest thing on earth, but I just went into it because I was actually trying to look for some volunteer work to do, you know. I'm very much into my personal development and I thought I really want to make a contribution bigger than myself. So that was that was something that I just sort of fell into and then, you know, it was fun and it, it really challenged me uh, personally and emotionally and mentally and I, I really thrive off that. So those are two things that most people would not know about me. <laughs> I love that. I love cooking, but I less do it a lot less so now that I'm so time poor and I really yes. only do it on the weekends now and my partner does most of it, luckily. Thank God. This is the Bless same him. as me. So great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love that. That would have given you so much incredible experience traveling overseas and just so much um, like good exposure, I guess, to new and different experiences and new people as well. Yeah, even just, you know, places I would never travel to. There was one place that I went which was called, oh, damn, I thought I was going to remember as I said (laughs) that, but I don't. But it was something like, um, it was like Pearl Farm Island, I think it was called, from the Philippines or in the Philippines. And I think that the island was, gosh, see, these, these things escape me, but it was the coolest place I've ever been to. It was literally this tiny, tiny little island. Of course, you had to get a boat out there. I think it was Davao, um, D-A-V-A-O. We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was so awesome, like the freshest fish. I just remember like the buffet in the morning, even in the morning, was like just this beautiful like shot, like, you know, sheets of ice with all this fresh mm. like sashimi kind of fish. Like, it was just beautiful, like so fresh such lovely people, such a beautiful little resort. We used to get our little, like, you know, little, um, like little four wheeler things and, and, you know, ride to, to breakfast. And it was just like beautiful. Like they had these bungalows, like over this gorgeous blue ocean. We did a couple of photo shoots around there, like just heavenly. And I would never have had, yeah, never have had the opportunity to go there to experience that, to see how beautiful the world can be. So that was really awesome. And now I have one friend pretty much in every country in the world, which is great. And, and coincidentally, a follow-up uh, event that I, I went to after doing one of my pageants, which was actually my first pageant, someone, you know, sort of flew us over to America and was going to start up like, a, like an agency, like a talent agency. And uh, one of our drivers, unfortunately, this beautiful man named Rodney had, had just passed away. Like he must have passed away just the other day. And so all of the girls have sort of come back so that we can be part of the, the service. But then we've also been like, oh, you know, I miss you. And how are you going? And, you know, what's your country doing? And, you know, so that's that's also been really nice too. So it's, it's a chance to sort of reconnect. And hopefully mm-hmm. when we're Uh, able to travel again (laughs) if ever Um, then you know there's definitely people that I would love to catch up with and girls that I would just you know I've seen their families grow and we always say oh you know can't wait till our kids meet each other so yeah that's I mean those are special things that the average girl growing up probably wouldn't have Mm -hmm. and uh, so I'm very very grateful for those experiences yeah beautiful that's so such an enriching life experience I think 
Um, and I'd love to hear like the sort of backstory as to how you got into health. I know you're a PT as well. So training yes. and nutrition and also, I guess, sort of the um, starting and evolution of your business over the last couple of years. Yeah, so my personal journey started, and I'm sure we'll go into this when we talk about stress. Our personal journey started really, I would say, year 12, face full of acne, couldn't figure out what was going on there, super stressed, so anxious about my HSC. I would study night and day, which is a theme in my life, but now I know how to bounce back a lot better and how to actually take care of myself, whereas before I had no idea. Went on all of these, you know, antibiotics, and, you know, Roaccutane for my skin and just such a stressful, stressful experience was also a, a representative netballer, like growing up. So I was always really like super athletic too. So suddenly I had this year where I had all this, you know, all these sports that I was playing because I used to play sport like every single day. And then I used to have carnivals on Sundays. And then I also used to do Taekwondo and netball. So, you know, just the works and physically I would, was exhausted. And then emotionally I was uh, or mentally, I should say, I was quite exhausted as well when I hit year 12. Then shortly after that, I got a diagnosis of PCOS, which so many women have now. So it actually started with really my own journey. Uh, I didn't, I had to wait for that diagnosis and it sort of came to light first and foremost with my skin, mm -hmm. which was really the biggest sign for me that there was something going on. Cause I wasn't really a kid who had like a lot of acne growing up. It was just like all of a sudden year 12, it almost to a T, like as soon as the stress started that whole year, my acne got so bad or, or I started to get acne. So I could really relate that. And actually this is what I do with clients and with people. Whenever I talk to them all the time, I I'm always, and I'm sure you're doing the same thing, Selene, that you're always looking for that triggering event that, mm -hmm. what, you know, do you have that really stressful time? Does that coincide with a time when these symptoms started? And often we'll find that that is the case. Uh, so there was that. And then I, so personal journey was offered the pill, just didn't feel like that made sense. And it was, you know, very much, especially back then, which was probably about 12 years ago now was here's the pill when you want to fall pregnant, come off the pill and you should be right. And that was initially. And then when I got the actual, um, you know, as I sort of started to get all the insulin tests and all this, all this stuff like that and, and actually found out that I had PCOS, it was basically, you know, I was told you might fall pregnant, you probably won't, you probably never have kids and you might have to, you, you're, you're most likely need IVF. And so that was kind of the, future I was looking at. And as someone who I wasn't necessarily the most maternal person, but I definitely wanted to have a family and have mm. kids. And I just had this feeling that there was just, there had to be more to the story. And it was just more that I was just interested in it really, that that's how it started because I wanted to find the answers for my, myself. I did not see any answers around. Then I started to find people like Alyssa Vitti, mm -hmm. who is the, yeah, the creator of um, Flow Living, just super amazing. And then I feel as though that really created the foundation for what I wanted to understand. I then went to uni, did psychology, which makes up one of my pillars. You know, I think mindset's really important. So that's my focus pillar when it comes to the three pillars of health. Then I did personal training because everybody who's trendy living in Bondi does personal training. So then that sort of made up my move pillar. And then I went and did nutrition. And at the time I was a flight attendant as well. And my health was really suffering. And so I sort of, at the same time, could start to unpick myself and my life and go, oh, wow, this, this job is not right for me because mm. of all the chemical exposures, 
um, endocrine disrupting chemicals that you're exposed to as a flight attendant or the radiation, oxidative stress. And then I had to, I had, it was just, you know, kind of, I had to figure out myself and my own body and with all of the, you know, introductions to both psychology and personal training, knowing that there was so much more to learn, that there were so many more gaps and that they were just such a a basic foundation Mm -hmm. uh, to start with. And so I just kept building, building, building and putting all the puzzle pieces together. And then when I sort of did nutrition, that for me was the, just like, it was like um, aha moments going like off in my brain all the time (laughs) where I was like, oh my gosh, how cool is that? And this food, this Mia, just average food has all these amazing things in there and this can help with that and can help with this process and that process. And I just sort of started to see food as this really like powerful, positive domino effect on the rest of the body. And it was just so crazy to me because you know, and I know you share this sentiment too. It's like when you have the choice to choose food, had, you know, if you were made aware of just how much of a positive influence you could make on your entire life as a result of the food choices you make that you think are so small, you would never make a bad choice again. You know, of course, we're emotional beings, so we, we don't always make the, you know, quote, unquote, right choices. We're not robots. We have emotions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's some gray to that. But we would make great decisions or good decisions almost every time had we known, you know, the, the influence that we could have. Um, and I think the thing that I care about the most is, you know, what are our interactions with others? How do we love? How do we create bonds? And how do we you know, contribute to our community on a wider scale. And all of those things really boil down to the individual. And if your health as an individual, especially your physical health, is something that's holding you back or making you angry every day or frustrated or upset or down because of chronic things that are happening, well, of course you can't come to the rest of the world with bundles of energy and start to make great ripples, ripple effects in your community. That that's you, you don't have the energy for it. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So I, I sort of started to see that pattern. And then I sort of, you know, once I had those three pillars, which was, you know, um, it started with focus, then I moved to move. And then I had fuel. Once I had those three pillars, I started to go, okay, I've got all these basic foundations. I can see all of these links. And then I just went so hard and like so deep into so many rabbit holes. And really it took me a while to get all the way back around to hormones because I felt as though I really needed a lot of exposure to other things like the rest of the body, other things I normally wouldn't understand how they interrelate and interlink. And so, you know, I think that, with my one-on-one clinic, obviously I just wanted to help people. So that's what we do. Uh, we go into one-on-one clinic so we can help as many people as we can because we can see in real life and real time the recommendations that we're giving to people based on all of our knowledge and all of our expertise and our, and our studies. We can see that in real time actually improving someone's quality of life. Mm. And someone will look at you and say, wow, it's because of you and your guidance and your coaching that I'm able to say 
I have happier, healthier relationships. I'm a better mom. I'm a better partner. I'm a better daughter. Like those things are the things that really I care about. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happier. I'm better adjusted. I don't have social anxiety anymore, whatever it might be. You know, those are like the bigger issues that we really have the influence to, to change. So as I, you know, was going through clinic, I, I started to really love, you know, as we do, we just love to find people who were like us who needed us back when we needed us, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. And, and that's really where, as I started to get more um, girls who were having trouble with their hormones, especially PCOS, I was like just in my element and loving it and wanting to give them all of the advice. It's like, hey, 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 I suffered with that too. And there's a better way out of it. And I can show you how to get a blood test back where your doctor looks at you and says, well, I can't exactly say that you don't have PCS anymore because that's not technically correct, but you don't have any of the symptoms. So go figure. Um, So, you know, while we can't say we can cure things that apparently are uncurable, I didn't have any of the symptoms anymore. So, you know, if I could get myself to that, plus all of the knowledge and expertise after all the courses that I never stopped doing now, on top of all that, I felt that I really was in this, you know, great position to really help other women um, who I found to just be my favorite clients um, to start to really help them and really make a change. And I think it's only when you have that understanding of just how much value you have to add to other people that you can really go big with what you're doing Mm. Um, and so I feel as though it had to be a personal journey first where I really had to realize no this really as simple and as basic as I made it this you know created my um, you know what I call my flow fit formula for women and their hormones in particular when you're just looking at those three pillars like I mentioned before like what you eat how you move and your mindset when I put all those three together, I thought to myself, wow, I, I could actually really, as basic as, the, as that is, absolutely just change women's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is really how I went from, you know, studying and then, you know, university, one-on-ones, and to now really trying to have this sort of online presence where I have people from all over the world joining in on my, you know, hormonal six-week challenge, so which is called FlowFit. So, yeah, so that's the journey. I love that. Those three pillars as well, the combination together is like everything. <laughs> I agree. And, and the, the, the reason I think that they became my pillars was because no matter what I studied or what textbook I read, it really all came down to those three time and time and time again. And as humans, we like easy, we like simple. And I'm so visual. So for me, when I draw up my Venn diagram, um, when I do like my talks and things, I just think to myself, you know, that's it. That right there mm-hmm. is how to, to always have the answers to better health. Mm-hmm. That is all you will ever need, you know, um, it's like at a foundational level. Like, of course, there's other things that can certainly sure. um yeah, change the body. And we know that obviously there'd be no reason for us to be, uh, <laughs> to be practitioners, right? Because it'd be so easy for people, but that really does eliminate most symptoms, most problems, most issues, and gives people just that next level of health that a lot of people don't even know that they can get there or that they can feel like that. And they're just so used to this like subpar feeling or way of being because they've just never been quite healthy yeah I think people um 
get used to kind of feeling a bit crap all the time and they don't really realize. I often find this as well, which I'm sure other practitioners do, that if you suspect and this is just an analogy of this concept, but, you know, if you suspect a client has a food allergy to say, I don't know, something like gluten, not necessarily celiac, but maybe just an intolerance, um, and you get them to remove it for 30 days and then say on their own accord, they've tried it again, they come back to you and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how crap that food actually made me feel. It wasn't until I had like the blank canvas um, and have that clarity to then go, okay, wow. Yeah. I can see that it's like night and day now. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with you completely. I I used to find that all the time. I used to do food sensitivity testing in in my clinic and people would come back and go, what did you do to me? (laughs) You know, why do I have this intense, super sensitized reaction now whereas I didn't before and you know the way that I sort of tried to explain it to people is if you went into an attic that was full of spiderwebs with a torch you wouldn't find anything but when you you know when you get rid of all the cobwebs and you have just one and you go in with a torch you see that cobweb so bright and like it's so obvious Mm -hmm. because there's nothing else around and it's the same you know it's exactly what you were saying and it's, it's such a a cool and interesting phenomenon because we know what's actually going on with the body and we're like, yes, this is what we've been trying to tell you. It feels great, you know? Yes. (laughs) So, yeah. Definitely. (laughs) And like you mentioned, those pillars might be basic, but we're not taught them. And I find for the most part, people aren't doing it because we're not taught that and we just probably grow up doing what whoever is around us, raising us, we just do what they do and then we, we never really realize that we can really shift the needle just by doing those simple things. I completely agree. So um, we'll get into today's topic. I'd love if you could just give us um, an overview around the different types of chronic stress, you know, physical, psychological, and what that sort of looks like. Yeah. So we'll start with what, you know, what is stress? Um, Stress really is a state where, and it can also be known as being busy doesn't have to actually have this connotation of, you know, a person running around that can't control their life might just be that you're always doing. Um, It's just when your nervous system is in a state called our fight or flight response, where your body is reacting accordingly to whatever it's suspecting is a danger. So really stress is a reaction to what our body considers danger. Our brain might not consider it danger, but our body considers it danger. For example, training, you might work out, you lift um, a dumbbell to do a bicep curl, your muscles are ripping and you know, consciously, you're just trying to get nice guns, but you know, good shaped arms, but your body is thinking to itself, We're breaking muscle tissue. What's going on? This is a concern. This is a worry. And so as a result, it starts to, uh, you know, it starts to trigger stress hormones in accordance with that. Now, again, our brain knows the end result with that, but our body doesn't quite know. And does that mean don't train? Absolutely not. It doesn't. But what we need to start to understand and what I'll explain in a second is that stress is an overall load on the body. And they call this, you know, the allopathic load. And it's looking at different types of stress that your body deems as dangerous. And then looking at, okay, what's the total load of that? Is that total load 
more or less than my threshold to deal with it. And that's basically it, right? And so dangers to us can be physical threat. Maybe it's a parasite. Maybe it's a bacteria. Maybe it's a dog running up behind you about to, you know, bite you could be you know those physical forms of stress it could be chemical forms of stress which again still sort of i would group as physical but it could be you know things like pesticides and herbicides as well it could be paint fumes that your body is inhaling because what do you start to do as soon as you're in like you know fumes of any kind your body starts to cough so your body's trying to get that out um Then there's also the emotional mental. Mm -hmm. So these forms of stress, I think, are the most underestimated forms of stress because they're the ones that stay around the most. So if you are worried that, you know, someone's going to cross the road and hurt you, that might only, that feeling might only last as long as that person's walking past you. But when you're thinking day in and day out, how am I going to pay my bills or that, you know, that bill is due or my mortgage is due (laughs) Uh, or whatever it might be or oh I hate you know I hate walking down this street because you know for whatever reason you know there's all these (laughs) there's all these random things that you could think of but like these are examples of all these random thoughts that you have in your head and I shouldn't say random but this collection of thoughts that you have in your head that are constantly going off And until you're actually aware of what it is that you're thinking, because most of the time these are subconscious thoughts that we aren't, that aren't brought into consciousness. Those are the things that are sort of bit by bit by bit increasing your stress hormones and sort of triggering them off more and more and more all throughout the day, creating a lot of, you know, a physical reaction in the form of stress hormones and so you know whatever emotional thing we've got going on I mean obviously it's you know the obvious situation that's one um, across the world right now and for a lot of people they wake up every morning thinking about it and go to bed every night thinking about it I know I do to some extent because I think to myself can I take Billy to a park today you know uh, am am I allowed to go see anyone yet you know I'm always thinking you know should I should I even like should I let go of that hope and just think oh we're going to be in lockdown for ages and you know try not to get my hopes up like those things are going on in our minds all the time and those things are creating stress hormones um and so, you know, those different forms of stress really as different as they appear on the surface, when you recognize how vast and varied they can be, they are still communicating the same thing to your body, which is there is danger and therefore this, you know, chemical cascade then happens in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned the threshold before. So basically, um in regards to all of the stresses that stresses that we have, are they underneath our threshold and we can tolerate them or has it exceeded that? And that's when we maybe start to get symptoms and things. So how would you know if you're, if you've exceeded your threshold? Great question. And I can't remember where I got this from, but it's when your smack is out of check, just deal with me on that. (laughs) So you'll know that things are too much and over your threshold. If your sleep mood, energy, and cravings Mm. are out of control, right? So your SMEC, S-M-E-C. Yeah. And hunger as well, actually. So um, can be hunger hunger too. But when those basic kind of things are out of balance, so you're not getting enough sleep, 
or you're in a really crappy mood most of the time and you can't really put your finger on why, um, you know, you're, you're tired. And again, you're eating, you know, a normal amounts and like, you're not eating enough. Like, why are you feeling fatigued and exhausted and all those things? Cravings, that's, that's you know, an, an, a one where if you're getting to two or three o'clock and you cannot pull your hand away from the chocolate bar or the cake or the cookie, then, you know, that's a sign. Uh, and the same thing with your hunger. You know, if your hunger levels are out of control or you can't feel full ever and you feel as though you're just a bottomless pit, then that can certainly be an indication that you've sort of just maxed out and, and gone over that threshold. Yeah, definitely. And that can be from lots of different things. Like it can obviously be the more psychological and emotional forms, but then maybe on top of that, you've got nutrient deficiencies and you eat, you know, a really unbalanced breakfast, which is again, another like physical stress. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yep. That's a great point. So, so any, any, you know, toxicities or deficiencies as well, like in terms of nutrients, Mm. absolutely a form of stress. And thank you for pointing that out. It's a very obvious one. The other thing that as well, that is, um, you know, another form of stress, which I'll just kind of give people, because I sort of mentioned Mm -hmm. exercise before any exercise essentially is a stress on the body, but the types of exercises that are the most stressful on the body are high intensity exercise. Um, so anytime that you're doing anything super fast or anytime that you're doing anything super heavy. So if it's intense in its pace or it's intense in its load, those can be super stressful on the body. And, you know, I think what we'll end up talking about in a second is, you know, this, once you, once you get over that level of your threshold, it's often harder to get it back down you know, out of that threshold. So like once you sort of break through, it's kind of like, you know, you have to go and mop up a lot more mess. Whereas if you were just teetering on your threshold, uh, so that can be really tricky and it can take some, you know, some deep time and deep care. But if you sort of stay in that, that threshold where you're aware of all of the stresses that you have in your life and you're kind of at least cognitive of, which ones might be more likely to come up at different times, then you can be a bit more proactive in, you know, you know, buffering that. More time yeah. Self-care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Buffering that. So um, once you've passed that threshold, what are some of the effects that we'd start to see on say our immune system and also our endocrine system as well? So when it comes to the immune system, for sure, look, especially nutritional deficiencies, which actually nutritional deficiencies, I have a quote somewhere, but nutritional deficiencies is the a main, uh, you know, as well known in the literature, a main trigger for immune system imbalance. And so I say imbalance because it's not necessarily that your immune system is hypervigilant to everything because you might find that you're either getting sick all the time, and that would be an example of you know, tipping over the threshold, but you also might never get sick. And when you never get sick, this can also be what I consider the holiday effect. So I don't know if anyone's ever coined that term before, but this is how I try to explain it. If you're the sort of person who you're a doer and you're busy all the time, and again, you might not be stressed out, like you might not be running around like a headless chook, but if you're doing and you're busy all the time and then you get, you know, a week holiday or a two-week holiday, and as soon as you land at your holiday destination, you get sick, then you can almost guarantee that that's the, the effect of being under so much stress with high cortisol and then that cortisol kind of having a chance to, you know, hit the brakes and then your body's saying, 
oh, okay, we don't have any of that danger anymore. So now, P.S., I've been waiting to tell you for ages that here's this pathogen, here's that pathogen, here's that pathogen. And so your immune system's like, okay, well, we've had a break from all the doing. Now let's start healing and recovering. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's, you know, you can get sick a lot and sometimes you don't get sick at all until you sort of have a break or go on a holiday or something like that. When it comes to uh, the endocrine system, it can be PMS, um, you know, cravings as well. That can be linked very much to the endocrine system. Um, obvious things like your actual period starts to change. I, I, I'm not going to speak too much on if you're a guy, how that changes. I mean, you know, you would start to have hormonal imbalances, but my specialty is females. So I can tell you for sure what happens with females. Um, you, yeah. So your actual period might change. So you might have longer cycles. You might have shorter cycles. They might be either less than three weeks or they might be longer than five weeks. You might never get a period. You might always have your period or, or always be bleeding. Uh, you may see a difference in how heavy, how heavy your flow is. It might all of a sudden be almost non-existent. You might spot in between cycles. So like maybe halfway, you might get things like cystic acne, hair growth in unwanted places, like around the chin and the mouth and along the jawline. You might start to have hair fall out. You might start to notice, um, you know, um, acne along your chest and your back. This is this can all be hormonal uh, influences. Yeah, and just just things along the lines of you know that it, anything that is a major change to your period that you notice a difference there is going to be the most obvious one. But some people as well, like some women I know, have a perfect twenty eight day cycle and also experience extreme PMDD. So, you know, you can have, which is basically extreme PMS symptoms. So that might be like really super cranky before your period and in a lot of pain when your period comes and, you know, um, really experiencing mood swings and, and really low points um, where that might sort of eventuate into other things as well, psychologically. So, you know, there's the obvious things. And I think that's the cool thing about having a period. I know a lot of, you know, women might think, oh, my period, it's so annoying. Here it comes again. I can't wear white. But I also think it's such a blessing when you understand it because you can then identify. Sometimes you just don't know your body. You're not really sure what's going on, but your period will tell you. It says, hey, let me tell you what's going on here. And so then you can go in and process of elimination, work out the symptoms and match it up and then go, oh, okay, that's what's happening. So now I just need to do ABC to correct that. Mm -hmm. And then I would, I can assume safely that if I'm improving my period, I'm improving other things in my body because your period comes out of the same body that's creating all these other things, right? So it's just like, you know, nice flow on effect that you get. Yeah, yeah 100%. It's like, as Lara Bryden always says, your monthly report card, right? And it's such a good way yes. that your body is literally communicating to you if what you're doing is working or not working. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, and it's, it's all about just decoding that, isn't mm. it? It's, it's talking to you. Our bodies are always talking to us. And if, you know, I wish that I could just remove the word symptom and be like, you know, what's the message? What yes. message is your body trying to tell you, you know? So, because I think people think, you know, they think, oh, this symptom, so there must be something inherently wrong with me. But so often it's just because of a series of choices that we're making over and over and over that your body's saying, Hey, can you just stop making that choice now? <laughs> I yeah. don't like it. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. 
Definitely. And instead it's like, what is your body actually trying to tell you? What's the message your body is giving you? Yes. And we need to learn how to listen as well. I think that's a really huge missing piece, but A, we're just not ever educated on that. So like, how would we know unless we're going to go and work with a practitioner, unless we are a practitioner, right? But, um, you know, equally, we often will just sort of pass off these symptoms as, oh yeah, I just, I am that kind of person that gets sick all the time. Or, you know, my, my friends get PMS. I hear them complaining about it. So yeah, it just must be normal, I guess. Um, and yeah, it isn't until people start maybe working with a practitioner and solving some of these things that they're like, Oh, I didn't know <laughs> things could be so good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I so know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit sad, isn't it? To, for people to, to just accept almost like it's part of their identity mm. and their personality. And you're like, you don't have to live like that, by the way, <laughs> you just don't have to feel crappy or have that pain or, you know, feel that those intense mood swings, like that it can be helped. And, you know, we're not saying that we can cure everything, oh, for sure. but la- I mean, our bodies are made to move and eat. Yes. So, you know, surely there must be a huge influence of those things on our body on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, part of that also is starting to value things like eating healthier And it is a sliding scale as well, as you would know from working with people where they're at and what they're wanting to change. Maybe it is just getting someone to eat whole foods initially, but then, you know, as that evolution goes on, maybe they're prioritizing some organic foods and that kind of thing. So um, there's always areas to improve wherever you're at, definitely. But I think the first step is actually like valuing your health, realizing you can actually change it and that you do have much more control than you're led to believe over that. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So I'd love if we could jump into some strategies, I guess, if you're listening and you're identifying like, okay, from the sounds of it, I've passed my thresholds. Things are going pear-shaped. Like how do you, A, you know, even identify what those things are in your stress bucket that are pushing you past that threshold and then um yeah how do you how do you start to unpack that well the way that I like to look at it is again with that framework of the three pillars of health people know whether or not they're eating well they'll they'll know whether or not they're getting takeout easy food fast food because they can't be bothered because they're too tired for whatever reason so the way that I would like to look at it is or I would want listeners to look at it is look at your fuel look at your movement and look at your mindset. If, you know, you inherently or intuitively know that one of those is off and whichever is the one that you think is the most off should have the most benefit. Because like we said, every person or every, you know, lecturer, every textbook, every course always goes back to these three things. So we know that these three things, while they, you know, are so simple, are the most influential on the body and have the best domino effect on our health overall. So we know that those are safe places to start, to start to have that positive domino effect. So, you know, eating, you know, even if you change one of your meals a day, Mm -hmm. whatever your, you know, kind of uh, most convenience foods meal is of the day if you just change that one meal and you just thought okay I'm just gonna pick whole foods I'm gonna I'm gonna cook that one myself and that's I'm just gonna start with one meal that I'm changing like you said that sliding scale 
And then with your movement, if you're moving too much, maybe you have to back off. If you're moving too little, maybe you have to ramp that up. Then when it comes to your mindset, you know, do you have any safe space or any time in your day where you actually stop and reflect on the thoughts that are going on in your head? And a lot of the time, people don't even think that that's a thing. And again, there is nothing to, there's no rule book to life, right? Uh, it's the same with parenting. You just kind of do it and you wing it until you make all the mistakes. And then you think, oh, actually, that's probably an important thing to do. So when it comes to mindset, there are three things that I always tell people to do. And two of them have a huge emotional impact because they help to clear out a lot of our emotional baggage that we have every day because 99% of the thoughts that we have today are the same thoughts that we had yesterday. So imagine if we could just sort out those thoughts and sort through them and write them down and then just get them off our chest, get them out of our brain, circulating with all the other thoughts we have to think just to clear up some space for some new, hopefully positive thinking. Um, and productive thinking. So the three things are, number one, I always, always, always really encourage people to meditate. And you don't necessarily have to be somebody who, you know, really does the whole meditation thing. You don't have to chant. You can. That's also equally as beautiful. You don't have to do that. It's more about closing your eyes and putting your attention on your physical body and taking it out of your brain giving, you know, your body the significance that it needs. You know, it's important to sort of scan your body and see where your body's at because a lot of the time we're so caught up in our prefrontal cortex, decision-making, thinking, doing, what do I have on next? What's my next task? And we don't even pay attention to a niggle in our shoulder or, you know, a tummy ache or things, little things like that, that if we gave our attention to it, we could actually start to make a proactive change before, you know, went on to be something that was worth because we never, you know, we never stopped to think about it or look at it or, or, you know, stop it in its tracks before it became an issue. So one of them is meditation, but with meditation is deep breathing. And so the, the true importance behind meditation is that it makes you breathe more deeply because breathing in the literature has been shown to have such profound improvements and health benefits more so than anything else. And it is free. Everyone who's alive has access to it. So it's not like you need to be anywhere or do anything to necessarily get it. You don't have to pay for it. You just sit there and you take a deep breath into your diaphragm so that you feel your belly rising and falling. And that is as simple and as basic as that. I love meditation because it's a positive brainwash. Like I love the beautiful brainwashing of it. I love that it puts thoughts into your mind. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that we say that we are, the summation of the people we hang around, the books we read, you know, the podcast we listen to, well, use that every five minutes, if it's only five minutes out of your morning, use that meditation to influence you in a positive way to wash over you all these beautiful, positive thoughts. Maybe you'll pick up one that you might stick with for the rest of the day. And maybe that's just one more positive thought that you had today that you didn't have yesterday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously that you can see there that every day, if you picked up a new positive thought or just saw things in a different way, by just framing it differently, same, same circumstances, you just framed it slightly differently and you saw it from a more positive or, or um, you know, uh, thankful perspective, just so much of that flow and effect happened and, you know, just so much positive change can happen in your life. So there's meditation. The next one is journaling. 
And so, like I said before, you know, do you have a safe space where you sit and reflect on your life? Um, For me, that's my journal. And ever since I started working with um, a woman called Natasha King, she's a kinesiologist and, you know, she does, uh, she's a life coach as well. The one thing she hammered into me was like, every day you need to journal. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how much stuff I had to talk about um, that I didn't want to burden other people with um, until I started journaling. And for me, that daily practice of journaling just helps me keep myself in check when I know that I have, you know, emotional obligations to my daughter. I, I, she can't regulate herself, so I have to be the one to regulate her. But if I have so much stuff that I'm holding on to, that I'm thinking about, that I'm worrying about, how can I do that for her? I can't. I don't have the space. I need to clear the space mm. so that I, ha- I can do that for her and I can be her emotional regulator. Um, you know, and at times, you know, our partners or our moms or our brothers or our sisters, whatever, they need us to be that for them as well. And so when we have all of our own stuff bogging us down, we simply can't do that for others. So I think that journaling is just fantastic. And even if you just started to write, doesn't matter what it is, you'll start to just, sometimes I think, you know, thought vomit and I just, anything I'm thinking, I just write and I might even be halfway through a sentence and then I start writing my next sentence that comes into my brain. But sometimes it's helpful to see that it's actually a reflection of exactly how your brain is thinking. Sometimes it's useful information because some people think, oh, you know, what do I write? It's like, just, just write, just write something. And you'll start to find a flow and a rhythm to, to what that, what it means to you. Cause you'll start to see just how much more clear your, your brain can be. So there's that, those two things I think are really important, like for the emotional and mental, um, you know, clearance of removing stresses out of your life because emotion is such an underestimated stress. Mm -hmm. Then physically, I love for people to ground themselves. So earthing has a lot of uh, studies in, in thermal imaging where it can see levels of inflammation that have decreased as a result of, you know, spending 30 minutes in contact with either grass, sand, rocks, dirt. And it's such a simple thing. And people might think this is so out there. But if you think about it, again, how were we made? Like man invented the shoe. And while I'm not saying you necessarily need to spend your days barefoot walking around, you know, around the office, like, hey, buddy, like you've not got no shoes on today because D said I've got to do my earthing. It's just more about when you're in nature and then you're in contact with nature, there is an exchange of ions that happens between the earth and our human bodies. And that is a scientific thing. That's not just like a cool woo-woo thing. That's a scientific thing that happens with our bodies. And I know from personal experience and, you know, with all of my clients, I always encourage them to do grounding and to try and just do just five minutes every day, especially while they're meditating, uh, sorry, journaling, because then, or actually either or, because they can, you know, kill two birds with one stone because we're all a bit time poor, so why not? Um, but it is just a really beautiful experience where, you know, you, you get something for nothing and all you have to do is just put your feet, take your shoes off, put your feet in contact with the earth, even if it's the grass in your backyard. So those are three really important things that I think have huge, huge impacts on reducing our emotional um, and physical stress um, when it comes to the focus pillar. So yeah, that's that's sort of the way yeah. that I see everything. I yeah. love that. And they're all free, really, pretty much. They're yeah. all free, which is incredible. I always picture like, and I really do need to do 
journaling more. I probably do it like a couple of times a week, but to be honest, I've dropped the ball recently. Um, But it's like all of those three things together. I don't know if you remember this, but with old computers, you would have to like defrag the computer to sort all the files out. And um, it was like this color-coded thing that would happen. It was like a software thing and it would move all the files and order them all correctly, um, check for any viruses and things like that. And that's kind of how I picture it. Like we don't ever, a lot of us anyway, don't take the time to like clear out what's actually in there. And so we just end up with all this stuff, all this debris in there. And sometimes you don't even realize what is actually worrying you until you put pen to paper and work things out. And some of your best ideas come like that as well. Oh, I, I agree completely. It's not, when you have a calm mind because yeah. you have been training it to be, you know, conscious in your thinking and there's not a lot of junk in your brain, your ideas, the place your ideas come from is like these perfectly created, how did anyone like how has no one thought of these things before kind of ideas that are so well thought out and make so much sense. Whereas when you have a cluttered brain that is just full of, of unfiled, you know, (laughs) word documents or whatever it might be, it's just, it's so hard to identify what really does need my focus and what can I put in the, in the bin? Mm. What, what do I not need anymore? You know, maybe it's been a while. I've been holding onto that file. I don't actually need that anymore. So chuck it out, but you won't know until you start to write. And then a journal prompt that you just made me think of that I also love to use is what is disturbing my peace right now? Mm, I love that, that. Yeah. That can be really nice. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So good. You've inspired me. I'm going to start doing it again. I'm in. I'm back I'm on, so back good. on the journaling train. And on the topic of kinesiology, that has literally been the best, the best thing I've ever done. I think if you find a good kinesiologist, that's obviously something that's not free, but they're honestly like wizards. I don't know. I they agree. are. Yeah. I'm. I'm converted. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're incredible. Um, I've loved this conversation with you today, Dee. It's been great and so many great suggestions and all free things that people can pretty much do now, which is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah I, I, that's that's such, a, uh, such an important part of what I do because I didn't have a lot of money growing up and I feel as though I didn't have a lot of access to things. You know, there's four kids in my family. So it's like, I never got new stuff and I never, you know, it was always about sharing and there wasn't really enough. And we did have a bit of a scarcity mentality or can't afford that. And so that's why I just think to myself, if I really want to make an impact on as many people as I can remove the need for money Mm -hmm. as much as possible to show people, Hey, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to hide behind that excuse either. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be rich in order to actually change your health because you absolutely can do it with free things like just go outside, be in fresh air, drink clean water, you know, just make different choices. When you go to the shops, you're already going to go to the shops. So you might as well just make a different choice. So it's not that much more expensive, especially if you know how to do it. And I might just share, I did do a YouTube video on 10 the top, my top 10 superfoods. And I think everybody who's just resonated with what I just said about the fact that you don't need to be rich to be healthy um, should go and watch that mm-hmm. because as much as it's 10, you know, top 10 superfoods, it's just the most basic 
cheap yeah. stuff. We'll pop it in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be awesome um, because I just, you know, it really is such a strong message of mine that it, you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be a grandiose situation. You don't have to have lots of money or need to go to the health food store. You don't even have to shop organic. There are ways to get around all of these things and anyone can do it. Yeah, definitely. And imagine like, you know, even if you implemented a couple or if you wanted to go all out, all of the things you suggested, like imagine where your mental, physical, emotional health would be three, six, 12 months from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Like that is just crazy to think about. Like if you're someone that's never really stopped to um, examine the thoughts that you're thinking day in, day out, like that would just have such a huge impact. And then coming full circle back to what you spoke about at the start of the podcast, like the ripple effect of that, someone in one family doing it, maybe others in that family get influenced by that and they start to do some of those things. They take those positive changes out into their workplace, out into their community. Like it's just, you cannot fathom how much of an impact it really does have. I completely agree with you. And I don't think I know a human on the planet that wants to feel crap. Mm -hmm. And if they can see that somebody else is feeling better in their bodies, they're going to say, hey, what are you doing? So you never know who's watching or who's Mm. listening. So I think that's such an important thing, you know, to be a role model to other people in your life. And I think it's easy for parents because we've got kids. So we're like, we know that we have to be role models for our kids. But remember that you're just a role model to people you work with or people you live with Mm -hmm. or people who walk past you while you're on the park bench and, you know, you're having this lovely salad. They might go, oh, that looks nice. And maybe they go home and make themselves a salad because they're inspired by you sitting on the bench eating that. So, yeah, I think it's it's another important um, idea to think, Mm of not only that ripple effect, but just like you were saying, like that whole, if you followed that one person and all the things that they did, like who you're inspiring and who you're encouraging to make better choices. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's incredible to think about. Yeah. Um, I've loved this chat and I'd just love if you could tell any listeners where they can get in touch with you, find out more about you and your offerings and certainly flow fit as well. Yeah, absolutely. So FlowFit, you can have a look on the website. So that's www.flowfit.live. There's all the information there about it. Um, I'm doing one-on-one consults only for my FlowFit girls at the moment. And pretty much that is my absolute love and passion. So everything that I'm doing at the moment is through that. I would love for people to follow me on Instagram if they felt like they really resonated with what I shared. So that's just at Dzabara. And that's my, you know, that's my handle. I'm pretty much only on Instagram and then FlowFit. So it's pretty basic and simple, but that's me at the moment. Wonderful. I'll pop all of that in the show notes. And thanks again for your time today, dear. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Selena. I had a great time chatting to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.